Hi, Nick Petrella here. This episode is sponsored by Volkwein's Music, a full-service shop that's been meeting the musical needs of musicians for over 135 years. They offer a huge selection of instruments, accessories, music, and more. They also have an unmatched instrument repair department with some of the most experienced technicians in the business. For years, they've serviced my personal and school instruments, and their attention to detail is why I and professional musicians from around the globe trust Volkwein's to service their gear. Head over to volkweinsmusic.com to see what they can do for you. That's V-O-L-K-W-E-I-N-S music.com. Helping people discover music since 1888. Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hi, Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. I'm Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. Michael Skoros joins us today. He's the owner of the historic Players Theater, a 200-seat off-Broadway theater in New York City that also houses a 50-seat theater, four rehearsal spaces, and an office suite for arts organizations. The building also contains Café Wa, a Greenwich Village mainstay since the 1950s where many new and famous musicians come to perform. We'll have links to both venues in the show notes. Michael, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Let's begin by having you give us your background and what you knew about running a theater and club prior to owning them. Okay. Well, uh, I'm a percussionist. I went to Juilliard, and after graduating, I freelanced in New York, uh, as well as I toured with a percussion group, uh, the Ethos Percussion Group. Um, During that time, I also had an interest in real estate and and real estate investing, and um, uh, I I actually bought some uh, real estate properties, and um, and they did well. And then after 15 years, um, I left the group, and I wound up um, looking for a property in New York where I could kind of, um, you know, do some of my projects. And and I bought the theater, and my idea behind the theater was always to run it as a rental property, but then also to be able to use it as an outlet for, for my own projects. Um, and it was kind of like the merging of the two interests. And for those like me who aren't necessarily in the know about the theater scene in New York City and how it works, can you help us understand the landscape a bit? Um, I think most people probably know of Broadway and have heard of Off-Broadway. But what uh, can, you, can you explain to us a little bit of what that means? Sure. Um, so the New York theater breaks down into three categories. There's Broadway 
off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway or independent theater. Um, it's based on the size and the location. So Broadway is any theater in Midtown and over 499 seats. Off-Broadway is any theater 499 to 100 seats and not in Midtown. And then off-off-Broadway or independent theater is anything under 99 seats. Uh, and so our main stage is considered an off-Broadway theater, and our black box, our smaller theater, which is 50 seats, is considered an off-off-Broadway theater or um, an independent theater. Gotcha. Thanks. That's very helpful. <laughs> were you able to go full-time into running each venue, or were you doing something else in addition to running them? Well, I continue to freelance and manage my other real estate investments. Uh, naturally, the theater took up a lot of my attention. So my freelancing yeah. kind of took a, a smaller role. And so the performing the theater kind of took a bigger role. Where did your interest in real estate investing come from? Um, you know, it, it's interesting. My Everybody in my family does other things. Like, like my dad was a pharmacist. My, my younger brother um, is a mechanic. My older brother is a doctor. But we all... <laughs> kind of had this interest in real estate. I mean, it definitely came from my dad. So like, like even as my dad and his brothers, like they all had like their own professions, but then on Saturdays it was managing like the investment property that they, they brought. Okay. And, uh, and then slowly, like, you know, my dad kind of left being a pharmacist and concentrated on real estate. And, and you know, I, I think we all kind of had like that bug. <laughs> sure. And I saw I saw on your website that you also license musicals. Can you talk a little bit about how that works and who who are your customers and that who license the works from you? Okay, so well, first let me talk about how we even have musicals to license. Sure. So my intention when I brought the theater was to produce a small percussion show monthly, and then um, have the rest of the schedule be taken up by outside rentals. Um, so we created a show called Percussion People. And it ran monthly um, and it, it did well. And then after about a year and a half, um, uh, Brenda Bell, who um, who's the producer of um, and writer for a theater company called Literally Live Theater, came to me and said um, that she was writing a musical adaptation of Oscar Wilde's The Selfish Giant. And it was going to be in the first Irish festival. And she asked if I wanted to play percussion on it. And so I said, sure, it sounds, sounds fun. It was like a short closed in run. And, um, uh, she, and I was going to play mostly marimba and like, maybe like some bow run, you know, and some other, other percussion. So I, I spoke to her composer and I said, oh, you know, I have a four and a third octave marimba. And she said, okay, no problem. I've, I've written for marimba before. And so, so as we were kind of getting closer to like the first rehearsal, Brenda kept calling the composer and he said like, Oh, you know, I have the music. I just have to, you know, print it out. But, but finally, like a week before she got him on the phone and he confessed, like, listen, I'm going through some personal problems. I haven't written a note. I haven't written anything. So I see Brenda and like, she's, you know, she's sitting at her desk, her, her, her head in her hands. And, and, and like, she's like, you know, I don't have, a, I don't, we don't have any music. Mm -hmm. So now um, the first thought that comes to, to me is that, oh, no, she's going to find another composer and they're not going to know how to write for marimba and they're going to write for, <laughs> for like piano and it's going to be too hard. I'm not going to be able to play it. So, so, so I say to her, I say, well, 
you know, I can try writing the music. Uh-huh. And she says, are you sure? And I say, <laughs> yes. And all of a sudden I had this, I broke out into this, like this cold sweat. <laughs> um, I, and so she gives me, she gives me uh, one of the songs, the lyrics. And so I go up into one of the pra- rehearsal rooms, I find a piano and, you know, like I start noodling with it. And like after an hour, I come back down and, you know, and, and show what I've written. Now I had, I'd never written for, I'd written percussion ensemble music before, but I've never written for voice and percussion. Yeah. So this was all really new. So I sat down, just kind of did something. And, and I showed it to her and she said, um, she said, all right, she liked it. Right. So, so we wound up, um, for that show, we, we, there were three original songs. So I wrote, wrote three songs. And then the rest of the show was, um, arrangements of Irish folk songs. Mm. And, um, and then that was the beginning. And that was like the starting, we were off. Like then we started writing shows. And so now that was 15 years ago. Mm. And so since then we've written 12 musicals and we've done 53 off-Broadway productions of the musicals. Wow. And, and also we just got married in January. (laughs) Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. So, so now to get back to your original question about licensing. So, um, uh, we do license the shows now to regional theaters and schools. Um, we've we've traveled to Costa Rica a few times uh, with the shows, and which which is fun. Um, and then we've licensed it to like some smaller local productions. Um, it actually is something that's a like a new offering for us that mm-hmm. our licensing. Um, so, and we're planning on kind of giving it more attention in the you know in the coming year. But um, but but you know we've had we've had like at least those few uh, licensing opportunities so far. Great. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, wasn't your daughter in percussion people? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my daughter played in percussion people. And then as we were writing shows, like she, she played one of the percussion books with me. And, um, and now actually she's boy, she, she's has a career of her own. Now she's actually getting ready and she plays with a band called Mooncast that's doing really well. Just came back from the South by Southwest Festival, and nice. they um, uh, she plays she plays keyboards and a malacat. Um, it's actually three uh, three female musicians: drummer Emily playing the um, the um, the keyboard and the malacat, and then a singer. Um, and um, uh, they they actually are getting ready to go out on the road with. Um, Sir Chloe, mm-hmm. um, and so they and they they head out uh, beginning of May. Um, they go to uh, Philadelphia and Washington and up to Canada, and so yeah. So she yes yeah, from from those humble days of percussion people, she's kind of. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, and then she's, she's on her way, you know. Yeah. And what's nice actually, we, we have a um, uh, uh, we have like a small rehearsal room that I kind of use like as also like my, my drum set rehearsal room and then her band actually rehearses there oh, as well. So that cool. so we, we call it, you know, the, her band is, is moon kissed and we call that moon base. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, and then for the, for the listeners, I mean, what you're doing, assuming, you know, she was actually working when she was a child, she had income that she could probably invest. It's a way to help pass through income. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So it, it definitely, um, uh, was I mean she it was it was a gig for her she got she got paid and that's awesome so, and she definitely she's always been good with like saving her money 
So I imagine that your business has to deal with a variety of, of key partners to offer your value propositions in the theater spaces. How many different suppliers and organizations do you work with? So, for instance, do you, have, do you work with uh, caterers? Just like, like what's the variety of people? You are musicians, et cetera. Right, right. Um, so, boy, it, it, um, it, um, I guess, you know, like really, um, I mean, it's still like the core business is it, it's like a, a piece of real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Cafe Wa is a tenant and they kind of take care of themselves. Um, the theater schedule is kind of split between like our like in-house productions and and then shows that are part of our residency program. Um, and, you know, with that is mostly, um, um, you know, like, like with any business, like we have our I know a guy list where, oh, right. you know, for repairs and maintenance and you know anything else that comes along. And then, you know, in addition, like over the years, like I've built up a list of like trusted um, professionals that, that I can call and, you know, like, like ask them questions, you know, the, um, you know, like even like just to put the deal together to, to buy the theater. You know, I, I call them like my, my, my secret weapon. Right. Um, so, so, um, so, you know, in general, I, I think like you have to wear a lot of hats and you have to know how to delegate. And um, and each production kind of brings its its own um, different things that you need to kind of coordinate with. But like like since I'm not really like the producer of mm-hmm. most of the shows, like um, it's um, like for for the theater itself, it's still kind of just like being almost you know like a a landlord. Yeah. So you you look after to do the productions bring their own stage crews in? Because I saw us we're talking here i saw a stage crew somebody in the background so are those employed by you or the the production or how does that work yes so so um for 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 all the in-house stuff like brenda is the producer so so she'll so really like like the her those people would would work for her um i mean some of the some of those people like will provide like will we have our our list of our like tech people that work Mm-hmm. for the theater mm-hmm. and i have a i have a theater manager that that manages them um but mostly for for the actual like like mounting of the shows like the the shows will will bring in like their their own creative team like their own set designers their own lighting designer you know right. i mean I, I mean we have people that like we can recommend from that you know from that list mm-hmm. of people that we know um but but Basically, it's 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 the the responsibility of putting on the show is theirs, right? And I guess I should have prefaced this by saying that in the classes that that Andy and I teach, so we'll go through business model canvas. We'll talk about the types of revenue streams, who are your key partners, key resources. So key partners are just anyone who helps you deliver your value proposition, from suppliers to other people you partner with. Uh, so along the same lines, I'm kind of I'm I'm intrigued by the uh, the Players Theater self production residency program that you have. Uh, what was the thinking behind starting that program, and how active is it? So so that actually came out of a conversation with one of the facilitators of the BMI Musical Theater Program, and he had expressed the need for uh, for opportunities for writing teams um, to, that was an alternative to to a reading or um, 
or or a, uh, or a festival, mm-hmm. and um, and so we decided to put uh, a few slots aside for uh, for shows, and it proved to be like really popular right away. Um, so now like we have like a committee of of people that you know select the shows, and then once the shows are selected, they basically get the space for a split of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet. Um, with the self-producing writers regularly to like mention them through the process. Um, and we actually have a deadline coming up for this program, April 30th, uh, for the next round, um, which people can find on our website. There's a link to apply. So, so they apply for it. This panel reviews the applications and then how many will they select? Yeah. So, so, um, so there's, it's actually like a, like a two-phase okay. evaluation process. Like first, there's the, the panel that evaluates it for artistic excellence. Sure. And then once it for the ne- if it moves on to the next stage, it's uh, it's an interview, and it's more about like the the nuts and bolts of trying to produce. And we just try to get a sense if right. if the writing team is is kind of up for, um, uh, you know, uh, up for being a self producer. Um, yeah. which, which, you know, some, you can, you know, some are, and just some, like, once they kind of hear like what's involved, they're like, you know, I'd rather wait for, you know, somebody just to come along and produce my stuff. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, if they pass that stage, then we select them. And usually we select, we, in the main, on the main stage, we have, uh, four slots a year. And then on our, in our black box, we have three slots a year. Okay. Well, so that's seven, probably brand new productions a year that have never been seen before most likely yeah 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 and how does how are those finance do those do they bring some 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 of their own financing or what's the sort of what's the agreement there you said they take half they take a split of the house um, yeah so so usually i mean and this is where um we're, we're tr- you know what we're trying to do is kind of kind of uh, you know, like emphasize like producing responsibly. And so like one of the main things we do in this, like when I meet with them is like, we'll sit down and we'll make a budget, like okay. a, a realistic budget yeah. for the show. Like, you know, what's, what's going to be the running course, what's going to be the production course. And then, and then realistically, like what we could maybe expect from ticket sales. Right. And if it's a show that kind of like falls within that, you know, like, like it looks like, okay, we can, we can do a run because the slot is actually, as opposed to it being like a festival where it's like a lot of random slots Right there. It's a, it's a, for upstairs, it's like a three week run with four, four, usually four performances, but they're all main slot performances. Like mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday at seven, Sunday matinee. And, um, and so once we do the budget, like there's an expectation that like the, the income from ticket sales is going to cover okay. the cost of the run. So, so what they're usually coming up with initially is um, um, there's a security deposit, which they get back at the end of the run, provided, you know, nothing was broken and they did the run. Um, and then, um, uh, and then some of their other expenses can kind of, you know, like some expenses they'll have, they'll need to pay up front for, for producing, you know, um, their, you know, like some of their creative expenses, but then some of those expenses can be paid like once, once they open and, and the ticket sales start coming. Okay. 
So that segues nicely into the into the next question. Say a producer or a performer wants to rent any of the uh, venues, any of the theaters you have there. What does a typical contract look like if if you're comfortable? Um, I mean, most our um, productions are. Um, I mean, either the in-house productions, mm-hmm. which are you know like basically with, like we're we're taking the ticket sales mm-hmm. and um, or I should say Brenda, and then um, and then we're you know like like paying our expenses and then keeping the ticket. Um, really, the the rest of our what takes up the rest of the schedule is the residency program. And it's mm, so okay. that, that same concept where it's, it's the, um, it's the, you know, like we're doing a split of the house. And so like, that's how it's coming in. I mean, there was a time like when I, I mean, it took a while to kind of arrive at this, yeah. uh, like, like this portion of our business plan, you know, initially, you know, there was like the shows that came in and just, you know, paid like a, like a straight rental mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, but we've kind of moved away from that. And that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. So, it's probably easier for people to produce something there, right? Because it's it seems like it's based on percentages. There's not a fixed set cost that they or there's a minimum that they have to cover. Yeah, for for us, it, it is. It's it's um, uh, you know like, like we're. Um, I, I think it is. This is easier for for like especially like an emerging writing team mm-hmm. to get their to get their show up. Um, and then, you know, we always hope that like shows move on, you know, like they can always move on to, um, to a bigger theater and, and to something that's a little bit more traditional in terms of the rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a great way to launch and it's a great way to, you're actually promoting, promoting yeah. the arts, right? And then from there they can work the bugs out and then if they choose to go on, they can. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Podcast.